they charge this much for a similar product. So I'm going to do that too. And I often say, number one, you have no idea how that company is performing financially, internally. Welcome to Honest Ecommerce, a podcast dedicated to cutting through the BS and finding actionable advice for online store owners. I'm your host, Chase Clymer, and I believe running a direct-to-consumer brand does not have to be complicated or a guessing game. On this podcast, we interview founders and experts who are putting in the work and creating real results. I also share my own insights from running our top Shopify consultancy, Electric Eye. We cut the fluff in favor of facts to help you grow your e-commerce business. Let's get on with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Honest E-Commerce. I'm your host, Chase Clymer. And today, welcoming to the show, Sarah Delavan. She is the CEO of Sarah Delavan Consulting. Uh, they help build the profitable food business of your dreams on your terms. I am a man that loves food, but we're also going to talk about the nerdy side of food, the financial side of it. Sarah, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Happy to be here. Oh, yes. We're going to have a blast. So take me back. Uh, what what got you into counting pennies when it came to food? So I owned a food business myself uh, in 2010 to 2012. Um, long story short, it was a total passion project. We were doing we were doing good in the world. Um, we weren't doing good for ourselves financially. Um, it was the classic story of you know, trying to hit the quote unquote right targets for a food business. They really weren't the right targets for us. We worked ourselves to the bone um, and just decided after two years, like we couldn't see the future of this. We, we couldn't see how it could work and we were exhausted. So we closed that business and that was sort of a seedling part of it. But I went on to work for a really great catering company here in LA and I was a buyer for them. But in that role, there were a lot of interesting things happening. Like I would say, what's my budget for the week? And they say, ah, no budget. As long as you hit, you know, 30, 35% food costs, we're in good shape. And so I lived with that for a little while, but then there were conversations around me that sounded a lot like, ugh, I don't know if we're going to be able to make payroll this week. You're going to have to shuffle some money around. Don't pay this vendor this week. You're going to have, you know, so it was like, well, wait a second. Like I could get more strict with my food budget if that would help the overall company profitability. So that's really where it started. And kind of that was the gateway into really digging into their financials and understanding how could we, from the food sourcing and from the recipe costing and pricing perspective, really have a positive effect on the financials of the food business. And so I got hooked. You know, I had this very Instagrammable, beautiful job. I was at farmers and markets all the time and I was visiting these really gorgeous, sustainable farms, but I really wanted to be back in the office at my computer solving problems. So that was the start. Absolutely. Well, uh, first, I have to commend you for your passion for helping these entrepreneurs that I think are choosing one of the most difficult uh, uphill battles. I think that as far as small businesses go, bars and restaurants are probably the number one that uh, kind of go belly up the quickest. Uh, do you have any data on that? I just that's where my assumption is. Yeah, I don't have a lot of data on that. And I'll tell you, I don't work with many restaurants and bars pretty much for that reason. Um, mm -hmm. I early on looked at the financials for a few of those businesses and it was really like, I can't help you. I don't, I can't in good faith 
say, yes, pay me to consult for you because I have the answers for how to turn this thing around. I mean, especially in LA, rent and just like the general overhead to run one of these businesses is so high. Um, I don't know how they survive. Um, and, and many of them don't survive for long, right? So my work really focuses on um, CPG brands. Um, I also work with a lot of caterers just because I love that industry and I love that business. It's sort of like a puzzle. You can build a super profitable catering business if you kind of do it the right way. And then meal delivery. And we do have a few like smaller pizza shops, cafes, sort of like smoothie shops that we work with. But um, I leave the restaurant and bars to like industry veterans um, who have a lot of experience in that area. I think that's a great uh, call out and kind of isolating the different types of food businesses that there are out there and that you help a certain type of them. Um, And maybe someone listening here was thinking about a bar or restaurant and it's like, wait, maybe I'll I'll look into this kind of other industry. It's still food. It's still Mm -hmm. my passion. uh, But maybe there's a little more margin. Yeah. which is always always fantastic. Yeah. Um so obviously a lot of our listeners are more in the e-commerce uh, direct consumer space which lends itself beautifully to consumer packaged goods. Yeah. Um so you know obviously the first struggle is kind of conceptualizing coming up with an idea and you know seeing if there's product market fit there. I'm assuming do you help at all with that or do you kind of come along a little bit further down the journey. Yeah. Once there's sort of a a vision and a a concept and even after sort of that um, testing phase, right? Like there's Mm -hmm. viability for this product. People like the taste, right? It's connecting with people. Once I like to say, once people start to get serious about it and they say, okay, the product makes sense and we want to turn this into a proper business that makes money, that's where I step in. And so I think at that point, it's really important to say, what does the financial model of this business look like? Where do I want to sell it? Right. Um, online, brick and mortar, wholesale, right? Like how do we want to go about it? Um, what is it going to cost me to operate this business? What's it going to cost me to grow this business? You could really get a really good sense of what your financial future might look like. Um, and that often turns out one of two ways for folks. They're like, we're on board. We can do this. We believe in the possibility of the business and we're going to move forward. Or this is overwhelming. I would have to make, for example, so many chocolate chip cookies that I would never be able to sleep. Um, and so I'm I'm out or I'm going to reimagine the model. And so it's a really informative um, point in the business where I kind of step in and make sure that people feel really good about moving forward. What is that exercise? Are you just running through kind of their uh, some initial KPIs or what, what are the numbers people should be really considering at that point? Yeah, we kind of do a high level or like I like to call it a bird's eye view look at the business. So if you've been generating some revenue over the last six to 12 months, we want to take a look at that. And we want to take a look at how much have you spent to produce your product, right? So what are your inputs? So even if you're listening and you're not a, a food brand, right? You're not a CPG brand, but you, you've you got inputs to produce your physical good. And then you've got your packaging and you've got your labor. And then you've got what we call other cogs, your merchant fees, your shipping costs, things that fall into the, uh, the, um, the creating and delivering your product, right? We want to look at those. What have they been historically? And what are your operating costs? And we'll just see, like, how has the business shaped up to date? And we do that. We've got some custom tools to make it really super easy for people. Um, You plug in your numbers, and then there's this really cool template that gives you this bird's eye view. And once you see 
just kind of like, what does my business look like now? It becomes very easy for you to visualize where do I need certain cost targets to be and where do I need my revenue to be for this to make sense. And once we've got that foundational kind of financial model built, we can have fun with it and say, if I want to make $50,000 a year for my business, how much do I need to sell? If I want to make a million dollars, you know what I mean? You can start dreaming and making that dream sort of a reality, at least in terms of the modeling uh, for your business. Absolutely. I run through, uh, I, don't, I don't know how similar it would be, but I, we focus on uh, three main KPIs at the agency from like a high level perspective. It's like, all right, everyone comes to you pre-described what their problem is. But at the end of the day, you ask them why three or four times. And they just like, I want to, let's grow this thing. Let's make more money. Yeah. Uh, so a fun, a fun, uh, kind of equation that we run through is, is just conversion rate, average order value and sessions. Mm-hmm. And then we just extra- extrapolate it out. It's like, this is where you are. You know, where do you want to be? Okay. Now let's work backwards from there. Cause it's, it, it's, that's why I love e-commerce is it's all math. Yeah. So similarly, when we build out this model, um, what we what we call it is your financial formula. So what is your current financial formula, right? You got your revenue minus all of your cogs, but we do it as a percentage of revenue, right? Not in dollars. Cause you get a more robust, um, view of your business that way. And what if, if the end result is not positive net income, right? It's negative or it's break even, then it's not a financial success formula. It's just your financial formula for now. And we can say, okay, what does a financial success formula look like? So those are the targets that we're shooting for. And then, yeah, it's similar to what you're saying. It's like, how do we get from where we are now to, to those targets and to those goals that we, that we want to hit? Absolutely. So when you're uh, when you're working w- working through this with your clients, uh, what are some of the common pitfalls that people are having with kind of uh, where they're they're not in that that green that they're you know breaking even or, or potentially losing money? Um, what are some commonalities that you see between those the conversations that you want to help? people kind of avoid that are in into this kind of food CPG space? Yeah, it's a great question. One of the most common things we see is that folks have created a profitable product, but the margins that they've built in for their business are not quite enough to produce a profitable business. So no matter Ooh. how much investment you have, no matter how quickly you try to, you know, grow that top line revenue, there are many instances where you're just going to be chasing the next revenue goal and the the profit margins aren't going to come. So we focus a lot on, yep, you want to understand your cogs. You want to know that you've got positive gross profit margin, but then what else does it take to run your business financially? And at the end of the day, is that you know, profitable. Um, and if not, again, what does the formula look like for it to be? So that's a, that's a big one that we see a lot. And I think, um, and I don't know if this is the case, but I assume that it is in other types of businesses where you really focus on the per unit cost of something, right? Like what are the inputs physically for my, uh, product and then what is the labor cost like per unit and you really drill down and that's important and you need to know that but I always recommend that you then zoom out and say okay big picture what does this really look like um, at the end of the day the other really common thing that we see is that labor is grossly underestimated so oftentimes when you're thinking about your labor cost you're thinking about cost to produce your product well, who else are you going to have on the team? Are you going to have a marketing person? Are you going to have an accountant? Are you going to have a sales team? Right. So thinking about that more holistic view, that sort of like big picture view of your business is important to know that your margins can help you cover those costs now and as you grow. So this is going to sound like a very obvious and dumb question, but I'm going to ask it. I welcome How it. How often is your advice, you need to raise your prices? 
That's a good question. Um, I should tally that and get an actual get an actual amount. I'm gonna go with fifty percent of the time. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna say that because I think the way we analyze that is first of all, what's your gross profitability, right? If it's not positive the majority of the time we've got an issue. And so either you've got to raise your prices or you've got to get your cogs down, right? And so you've got a choice. And if your cogs are as low as they can possibly be, then you've got to raise your price, right? But a lot of times um, there is opportunity to lower cost of goods sold, especially for a small business who's producing on their own. Oftentimes we see an initial lateral move with the co-packer where your costs stay consistent, but then as your revenue grows, your unit costs do go down. And so you've got some, you know, economies of scale there, which is good. But I think people rely on that, this, these future economies of scale a little bit too much. And so, um, when we don't foresee a reduction in unit costs or when your ingredients and your other inputs are as low as possible, that's when it's time to raise your price. Absolutely. I think that, um, this is an entrepreneurial pitfall that I see all over the board. It doesn't matter if it's food or if it's, you know, clothing brand or sneakers, whatever, um, is that they go in and price themselves to what the market is already doing, which is oftentimes catastrophic yeah. as a choice. Uh, because what, first, first and foremost, what you just said is like they've already hit economy of scale and they can do it at that yes. price. Uh, but second of all, I think you want to, price your the value that you're delivering to your cons- your customer. Yeah. I think that your competition is kind of secondary to that yeah. point. One of the things that I preach as often as I can is that your financials, your business in general, but in particular your financials, including your price, are going to look different than every other business out there. Yeah. Right? You're you're they're totally unique. And so one of the biggest pitfalls I'm going to echo what you just said is Pricing based on what your competition, right? What the other folks on the shelf, what the other folks in your product category, uh, in your industry, right? We see it a lot in the catering side of things. It's like, well, they charge this much for a similar product. So I'm going to do that too. And I often say, number one, you have no idea how that company is performing financially, internally, mm-hmm. right? They might be selling a ton of product, but it doesn't mean that they're profitable at the end of the day. It doesn't mean if they're a smaller business that they're, they're, founder and owner is making any money, right? We see that all the time. I can't tell you how many times people come to meetings with me and they say, so-and-so sells at this price and they're great. And I happen to know so-and-so's financials and I know that they're struggling. And so I bite my tongue and I just say, you never know what's going on inside another business. So yeah, you've got to price your product based on the value, but also based on what makes sense for your business to succeed long-term. Oh, absolutely. And that's actually uh, the Jeff Bezos quote, your margin is my opportunity. I think mm. people take that as they stop listening to Jeff Bezos. He is a he is the exception to the rule. Uh, he uh, doubled down and tripled down on that kind of concept and made his money in Amazon Web Services, not so much the books. Uh, you guys should really research the background of Amazon and how the money is made. Um, but uh, you know, people that are coming to market with price, like with trying to price products. And if you like go off of what's on Amazon, Amazon's a race to the bottom because it's yeah. like a giant marketplace. Like that is just not a way to come up with pricing models. Yeah. I totally agree with you. Yeah. You can't, I think you've got to put blinders on to a certain degree and say, you know, you, you, in my opinion, you always want to be driving toward the most financially efficient business, the most, um, efficient, 
business in terms of your operations, right? Like the more you can do with the least amount of effort, the better, um, because it means there's more money at the end, at the, you know, the end of the P and L, if you will. Um, but I struggle to recommend playing the margin game. You know, I, I, it's, we talk a lot about building a business on your own terms. And for CPG, we're talking about building via online sales, utilizing your Shopify, utilizing Amazon when and where it's right. You might not choose to ever go into brick and mortar retail because your margins in that channel are small. It's going to be your least profitable margin. And so if that's not the way you want to grow, if you want to stay higher margin, do it, build your business the way that you want to, and kind of learn from other people's wins and, and, and losses, if you will, but you got to stay focused on, on your business and what's happening. Uh, at home. Oh, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And then I'm actually just going to play devil's advocate on the other side of that. There are reasons in businesses to where they do the wholesale play right off the rip because mm -hmm. of like economies of scale or brand awareness, and that's the right choice for their business. Um, so what we're really saying here is there's no one way to do it exactly. or no like true one path to take. If you're struggling with scaling your sales, maybe Electric Eye can help. Our team has helped our clients generate millions of dollars in additional revenue through our unique brand scaling framework. You can learn more about our agency at electriceye.io. That's E-L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-Y-E.io. Mesa is the Shopify expansion pack to level up your brand. By turning all your internet-connected apps into your business epicenter, Mesa can lighten your workload and tame the day-to-day -day chaos of running your store. Join other successful brands that have learned how to balance clever workflows with a solid infrastructure to get more done without more overhead. Whether you need to order data in Google Sheets, products on Etsy, or customers added to HubSpot, Mesa has you covered. Peace of mind is right around the corner when all your apps are working seamlessly together. To put it quite simply, Mesa is a better way to work. Search Mesa, that's M-E-S-A, in the Shopify App Store and download the app today. Is your store holiday ready? Now is the time to make sure you and your team are prepared for the busy season ahead. Gorgeous, an omni-channel help desk built for e-commerce has machine learning functionality that takes the pressure off small support teams and gives them the tools to manage a large number of inquiries at scale, especially during the holiday season. Gorgeous combines all your different communication channels like email, SMS, social media, live chat, and even phone into one platform and gives you an organized view of all your customer inquiries. Their powerful functionality can save your support team hours per day and makes managing customer orders a breeze. Merchants can close tickets faster than ever with the help of pre-written responses integrated with customer data to increase the overall efficiency of customer support. Their built-in automations also free up time for support agents to give better answers to complex product-related questions, providing next-level support, which helps increase sales, brand loyalty, and recognition. Eric Bandholtz, the founder of Beard Brand, says, We're a seven-figure business, and we have essentially one person on customer support and experience. It's impossible to do it without tools such as Gorgeous to help us innovate. Learn how to level up your customer support by speaking to their team. Visit gorgeous.grsm.io slash honest. Mention this podcast when you sign up to get two months free. That's g-o-r-g-i-a-s.grsm.io slash h-o-n-e-s-t. Our partner Rewind can protect your Shopify store with automated backups of your most important data. Rewind should be the first app you install to protect your store against human error, misbehaving apps, and collaborators gone bad. 
It's like having your very own magic undo button. Trusted by over 100,000 businesses, from side hustles to the biggest online retailers like Nick's, Gatorade, and Movement Watches. Best of all, respond to any of their welcome emails and mention this podcast, Honest Ecommerce, and get your first month absolutely free. Getting an online business off the ground isn't easy. So if you find yourself working late, tackling a to-do list that's a mile long with your fifth cup of coffee by your side, remember, great email doesn't have to be complicated. That's what Klaviyo is for. It's the email and SMS platform built to help e-commerce brands earn more money by creating genuine customer relationships. Once you set up your free Klaviyo account, you can start sending beautiful branded messages in minutes thanks to drag and drop design templates and built-in guidance. And with e-commerce specific recommendations and insights, you can keep growing your business as you go. Get started with a free account at klaviyo.com slash honest. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash H-O-N-E-S-T. So you are you're you're analyzing these brands numbers, right? And you you're playing with the what ifs and the what could be's. What's next? How are we how are we gonna solve some of these problems? So when we do, we call it a profit assessment initially. Mm -hmm. So if you've got some historical numbers, we're going to do this profit assessment and we're going to identify where in your business changes need to happen or maybe should happen in order to produce better financial results. So if we're thinking about um, brands that sell online, let's say via Shopify, and actually have a client who's experiencing this right now, her shipping costs are astronomical compared to her shipping income. And when we look at that cost as a percentage of her online revenue, it's about 20% and it's really shrinking her margins. And so we've identified this one specific cost category within her business that needs our attention. And so then we can zero in on that and say, what can we do to improve this? Do we need to increase our shipping uh, charge to our customers, right? Do we need to increase the price of the product to kind of cover this a little bit, depending on whether or not your customer is sensitive to paying shipping fees, for example? Um, do we need to investigate different partners for shipping? Do we need to, like, are there, is there a flat rate box option that maybe would work for our product, right? So we go into um, examination or investigation mode and and think about what are the options and opportunities for us to hit better numbers in this area. And that's just one example of what you do across all of the key cost targets for your business. So for example, if you're seeing labor costs that are you know, 40, 50% of your gross profit, for example, or of your top line revenue, you might want to pay attention to that. You might start to investigate that particular area of your business and say, what's causing this? Is there a bottleneck? Is it a functionality kind of issue if we're producing in-house? Um, what can we do to not slash pay for our team, not cut team members because that's going to hurt your business in, in a number of ways potentially, but how do we make this all more efficient so with the folks we have on the team, we can produce more revenue? Um, so it's sort of a long way of answering your question to say when you identify maybe what's not working or what could be better, you dive into that area of the business and start figuring out what can we do to improve it. And I always recommend that you focus on one area at a time if you're oh, small. Yeah. <laughs> don't try to do it all at once. And also don't expect the changes to happen overnight. Yeah. I uh, say the same thing to brands all the time uh, when it comes to marketing. I'm like, pick one channel and we're going to do it. 
Yeah. That it, that's it until, until it's figured out and then we can move on and expand and grow the team and, and continue kind of expanding upon it. But when everything's important, nothing's important and totally. nothing gets done. Yeah. We like to pick one to three top financial focuses or, or key strategies. And the assessment lays that out for us. And we sort of go top to bottom, right? So, okay, you're bringing in top line revenue. That's great. Do you have positive, what we call real revenue, right? So after your cogs are removed, what are you left with? And how does that amount of available funds compare to your operating expenses? If your operating expenses regularly exceed your real revenue numbers, that means you're not going to be operationally profitable. So then you start investigating, do we need to sell more? Are our cogs too high? And that's why our real revenue numbers are too low. Or are we maybe overspending or not as financially efficient in terms of our operations um, as we could be? And that goes for marketing and stuff too. You know, when you talked about KPIs earlier, if operating costs seem to be the area of focus for a business, we start talking not about slashing costs, but return on investment for everything, right? So when you're thinking about marketing, it's like, what is your ROI for these efforts? Um, start looking at what is the, you know, activity on your website? You know, do you need to drive more traffic or are you getting all the traffic that you need, but it's not producing, you know, uh, checkouts, right? And I don't have all the right lingo uh, for the, yeah, for, yeah. the for it, but, but really That's investigating in. that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, that's oftentimes, you know, so uh, the three that I pulled up earlier is, you know, there's usually a major problem in one of those areas. So uh, most people go straight into the, the sessions element of it. It's traffic, mm -hmm. right? They yeah. want more people to the website. But uh, if the website is junk uh, and, you know, it's a bad customer experience and mobile's bad, you know, the best Facebook marketing team in the world can send you the cheapest traffic. But if the yeah. website experience is bad, they're not going to convert. Yeah. Uh, so there's just a lot of education around like, oh, let's take a look at all these things. Um, the one that I love playing with is average order value, though. And that's yeah. especially, you know, upsells, cross-sells and bundles. That's something that most people don't think about. And people love to buy. So yeah. just got to do it in a way that uh, feels natural. We've got a, I've got a podcast myself called the Good Food CFO podcast. And I just had a conversation with someone who introduced me to this idea of average purchase, like amount or whatever you called it. And, and she was talking about how it doesn't make sense to advertise, like to do paid promotions if you don't have her recommendation was an average cart value of like $20 or more. I would even say it's higher, especially right. now with Facebook. Well, it depends on it really, truly. And it's, I hate being like this, but it depends on your business. <laughs> but it depends does. on your, your, it depends on your customers, depends yeah. on your products. Um, but if you're in an extremely competitive field, like for example, women's fashion, you're going to be looking at a cost per acquisition for a new customer in the $25 range on Facebook. And well, that's what it used to be. And now who knows who's Facebook and Instagram has gone wild. Uh, and lately with all this privacy stuff. Um, but when you're in super competitive, like stuff like it, the cost per actions are very high. Uh, so you have to be cognizant of that when you know, if you're spending $25 to make $75, like your margin better be awesome. Yeah. Or it's not profitable to win that customer. Or you can take a step back and be like, well, they're gonna buy three times. And now I'm gonna make it back over the lifetime of this customer. It really kind of depends on how you want to take a look at all those all those numbers with it. Yeah. It's so interesting because the more I learn through the conversations that I have on those podcasts and through partnering with, you know, several of my clients have what we're now calling executive teams where they've got consultants in different 
you know, areas of expertise. We come together once a month to have conversations, conversations just like that. You know, if the business owner can't answer the question, what's your return on investment for your marketing efforts, for example, I can see that their revenue is not growing in, you know, correlation to how much they're spending, but they don't have the details for the why or the what to change. We need to pull in another expert who can speak the language that you're speaking um, so that they can help the business owner to to fix things so that we want from a financial perspective, and I'll say this again, it's not about cutting costs just to cut costs. And maybe that's some folks strategy, but that's not my strategy. It's like, let's make sure every investment that we're making is having the biggest return possible. And if not, let's do the work to figure out why and fix it. You know what I mean? And and if at the end of the exactly. day, we determine it's not the right fit for the business, or you know what, this isn't going to produce the results we thought, then sure, then we can eliminate that investment and, and, and focus on something that's more aligned or a better fit for the business. But I just think it's really important to get business owners thinking about return on investment literally for everything they spend money on. Oh, absolutely. And then I uh, I guess the, the only other thing that I really wanted to bring up with you was how I think unique uh, food is, is that it's uh, perishable and consumable. And if you can get a customer, lifetime value of that is through the roof. And it's pretty cool. Uh, and then more specifically into like our space where we play with, you know, e-commerce and, and all that stuff, subscriptions and, 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 and kind of owning a customer and reselling to them just makes things so much more fun. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of subscriptions, um, automatic, <laughs> automatic charges and re-delivery to your customers in the food space, I think is amazing. I encourage that for a lot of our, um, a lot of our brands that we work with. So yeah, yeah, it's, if you get the branding right, if you get that that relationship piece right, you know, there's so much opportunity. Um, we talk a lot. There's some other experts in in the food space. Katie Malezova does does branding and Ali Ball is really great on the retail side of things. Um, brick and mortar focus, but she also talks a little bit about, you know, the online um, sales channel. But we talk about the three pillars, you know, like as you started out this this episode, it's like you got to prove the concept. You got to have the brand, right? And without that, you you really can't be successful. Your financials could be amazing, but if you aren't connecting with people, if you aren't filling that need, you know, it's what can you That's do? That's the hardest part of business right there is right? finding product market fit. And yeah. it's, it's just no consultant, no agency, no college intern is going to help you find product market fit. That's a founder's job yeah. and that's the founder's journey. Yeah. And once you have that, you know, you can't go, well, I've got that. And so now I'm good. You still have to then, then you say, okay, now does my finance, do, are my financials in line? And now that I've, I've connected with the people and they're going to come and they're going to keep rebuying and we know that we can grow this business. Let me make sure that we can do this in a way that makes us money, makes our team money, makes our community money, you know, whatever the mission of your, of your business is. And it gets really, really exciting. So I'll say that I think one of the most surprising things after being a consultant now for a little over three years is how collaborative, collaborative it is and how much I want the input of, um, other experts as we build, build businesses. It's been really fun. Oh yeah, it, playing nice with other consultants is how we have like the the best ideas, and yeah. we just have the most fun with our clients and and produce the coolest results. Uh, it's it's truly what it is. Uh, so get you people that like to work with other people, and you'll you'll have some really fun stuff. Especially 
these days with just like e-commerce is is fun because at least the clients that we hang out with they're smaller teams and you know they're they have you know kind of more decentralized partners for specific elements of the business and you know everyone's goal is to like let's make this client a bunch more money cuz yeah. they got more money to spend we're going to make more money like that's what it is uh so we get to meet a lot of really cool people yeah totally Awesome. Well, is there anything I forgot to ask you about that you think would be worthwhile sharing with our audience? I think just echoing something that we said earlier, just to kind of drive home the point of like your financials are going to be unique. And I think the first step, if you're unsure, like how you're doing, for example, or if you're unsure, like what, what can I do that will really make an impact? on my business financially, um, do an analysis, like take a look at your numbers. You can do this really easily by pulling your PL or income statement and just kind of looking at, you know, how are my top, you know, or my key cost categories, like where are they at? And if I reduced one, for example, what would the impact be on my bottom line? I think it's a really great exercise for any and all business owners to do to really understand where am I at? And if I'm wanting to pay myself more, if I'm wanting to have more money to invest in growth, um, are there any areas that I can see where I can, I can investigate and make an impact and create a change? And nine out of 10 times, there's something clear that, that sort of shines, um, you know, shine, you shine a light on it during this process. And it's pretty exciting. That's fantastic advice. Now, if there are any food brands or, you know, people that are getting into the CPG space that are listening, um, you know, and they're like, Oh, I, I need to get a hold of Sarah, get a hold of Sarah and talk to her. How do they do that? So um, you can visit the goodfoodcfo.com. Um, or saradelavan.com. The, the good food CFO is easier to spell. So I always like to give, <laughs> give that one out. Yeah. And um, we share a lot of free resources, both on the website and then on Instagram. It's my favorite social platform. So that's sarah.delavan.consulting. Um, we're working on some really great new tools and things that are going to launch in early well, January, so early 2022, um, which is super exciting. But yeah, reach out, connect. We also have a free community. It's called the uh, Profitable Food Business Community. It's totally free. We host it on Mighty Networks. Um, we do live Q&A sessions once a month, which is my all-time favorite thing. So you can like bring any questions you have about financials, about anything sort of in the realm of financials um, and kind of get some feedback and get your questions answered totally free with a really awesome group of fellow food biz owners. That's fantastic. Thanks so much for coming on the show today. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right. I can't thank our guests enough for coming on the show and sharing their knowledge and journey with us. We've got a lot to think about and potentially add into our own business. You can find all the links in the show notes. Make sure you head over to honestecommerce.co to check out all of the other amazing content that we have. Make sure you subscribe, leave a review. And obviously, if you're thinking about growing your business, check out our agency at electriceye.io. Until next time.